This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott at Akron Jackson at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. You can find this on iTunes, on Spotify, at Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast and at A to Z podcast.com. Andre, I'm chuckling slash struggling. About 30 seconds ago, I was plugging everything in. Uh, making sure it was good because we know sometimes that's an issue. I was waiting to hear back from you over text. Anyway, picked up this bottle of water, took a larger than extra uh, swig of it, and before I finished swallowing it, there was like a loud noise outside, so I looked, and I don't know if I just failed to swallow or my body shut down for a second, but I saw Jesus there for a minute. I was coughing, hacking, sneezing, (laughs) shooting water out of my nose. And anyway, I'm glad to be here talking sports and life with you. There's so many things I want to say off of that. So many things. <laughs> Most of them are inappropriate and not ready, and we haven't told people how much of a jackass A to Z can be. So if you're sitting by a kid or if you're sitting at work, let them all in and let them know what real people talk about. But if you're not ready to do that and take that step, uh, make sure you put in your headphones or uh, change the station and come back later. Um, I was thinking you were going to say something like you left the car out of gear and it ran through your backyard or something like that. I didn't realize you'd be choking on all big water. Uh, you're a special, special, special guy. So this is the uh, – I was just talking in the uh, Indian clubhouse to a few people. Uh, if you're a big NFL follower, this is the time where you hold your breath for the next month, month and a half, and you truly find out in the NFL who your dumbest players are because they all know the, the weed man test is coming in like six weeks, and the NFL will even reach out and tell the players, hey, you're going to get tested in two, three weeks. Make sure you're clean. So you find out the dumbest guys in the NFL, but you also hold your breath and hope that, you know, things like extortion, drug allegations, and things like that don't pop up out of nowhere and ruin that fantasy football team that you've been putting together (laughs) since last uh, June. Well, no doubt fantasy football is what counts most, but you're right. This is the, um, you know, this is the time of the year that coaches sweat. And, um, you know, with older, more polished teams, they'll say they don't, but they still do. You know, these rookies just got a lot of money. They just got a lot more Instagram followers than they used to, and they're basically turned loose. Now, the Browns, even though the, the for the veterans it's over, the Browns rookies are around for the next couple of weeks doing uh, orientation programs and working some youth camps and doing their regular workouts, but they're not practicing. They're not having curfew. They're not having, you know, 15-hour days that would make them go to bed like they were the last five weeks, so it is a little dangerous. Right. Uh, Freddie discussed it last week, they're- you, you know. He more or less said we don't have many set rules around yeah. here. One of them is do the right thing. Uh, so you hope that uh, nobody's, you know, got the police behind them at 4.30 in the morning. Nobody's causing an incident uh, in front right. of nine cell phone cameras or uh, law law enforcement <laughs> officials. Uh, it's a different world these guys live in. And absolutely, even for guys it that is. aren't troublemakers, um, it's scary out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different world out there. It really is. I'll tell you what. I didn't know this until you said it, um, but it's very Terry, Terry Francona-like, and I think very much how I hope to be with, as a parent. Um, the more rules you make, the more rules that are going to be broken. Yeah. So you simplify it. To me, simplify it make one simple rule that kind of covers it all, right? Yeah. Like with Tito, it's real simple. It's like respect your teammates, don't be late. Like in other ways, like to him, it's like that covers everything. Respect your team, respect your teammates, don't be late. And we can work our way off of everything else. You know, like, to me, isn't that a better way of going about it than having 100 million rules that you want guys to follow? Absolutely it is. Um, and, and some of that comes with the territory. But, you know, we talk all the time about culture and sports and what it is. I mean, to me, it comes down to what are the two or three things that you really either dwell upon or won't, or won't stand for? 
right? And you set it from there, and it goes. Right. And obviously, if you have grown adults and really good players, then people write glowing articles about what a great culture you have. <laughs> you know? Um, if people act right. up. Even if the culture sucks, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know? If people act up, if you keep selling your soul to guys like Josh Gordon, you know, if uh, – the, the the coach keeps saying the same things over and over again, and they keep coming true. Then your culture sucks. I mean, you you've been there, right? And I think this yeah, this yeah this kind of applies right now to like uh, well, certainly to the NBA Finals, where both teams are just exhausted physically and mentally. Um, and, and we'll get to that. Yeah, but like you know when I we talked a little bit Browns last week at, at the last day of school, if you will. Um, part of the reason, other than just not being an idiot, that you don't get caught up in April, May, and June, is that these guys haven't locked in. You live it every day, Dre, where you're with a team and you're locked in. And, yes, these guys have lives and they have wives and kids and girlfriends and sometimes all of the above, right? And and they, they have commercials and endorsements <laughs> and, and, and friends and family. But for that six-month period, this, this is what you do. This is what Tito lives and dies. This is what the execs live and die. This is what the pitchers, even the ones that only pitch every five days, they have a routine in those five days. You're there. Yep. Well, the Browns are not even to that locked-in stage, right? So it's like you, you, the investment, the culture, all of that stuff, it doesn't come till later. And then that's why, obviously, we always say Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's everything thing else absolutely but when teams dig down deep and don't want guys who are constantly assholes who are constantly late who are constantly drawing attention to themselves it's because when you breathe that same air and lock in for that four five six eight months whatever it is you know that air some days it just doesn't taste that good right that that person that's not a bad no. person is suddenly on your nerves well, because you're living and, and you've got to have that makeup or you're going to have a miserable miserable ride at right Hey, well, and I think and it, it plays into this, and, and I'm glad we're saying it this way. This isn't one of those, you know, we're going to stand on that hill and try to preach to you uh, because I think we all, and this is my opinion, and I didn't even tell you I wanted to bring this up, but with, this is the night after the KD situation in the NBA Finals, and we almost did this podcast right after the game, which I would have had no problem doing, uh, but I'm fine with doing it now. Um, when we talk about the makeup of clubhouses, of, of of how teams, their camaraderie or their lack of camaraderie or liking each other or playing for each other or not giving shit about each about each other. Um, I think a lot of us, and look, in this day and age of you either get the Jordan face or you get the ring, um, and then with social media and everyone being all-knowing, when most are know very little, I think the KD situation and the Golden State Warriors situation is very much a case study and uh, how, how much we lack in truly knowing how a team runs and what makes a team go. I saw Clay Thompson last night um, after the game on, on Scott Van Pelt, and he was like, he's like, are you kidding me? We're not better without Kevin Durant. He's one of the best players in the world. We could put him on the 30th best team, and he would take that team to the playoffs. He goes, I'm sick of hearing that shit. He goes, we ignore it. And he said shit, and it went over TV, which I love, because you know me. Um, anytime you can break the rules after midnight on TV or radio, you do it. Um, but he basically said, he goes, it's bullshit that people keep saying that. He goes, this guy gave up, he's truly a warrior. He gave up everything that he had for us. He had no business doing it. And he went out and did it. And he goes, and we got still people out here that question how tough he is, question how tough we are. Um, and maybe it's just a basketball thing. Maybe it's a social media thing. Um, I texted you guys this last night. Um, I feel horrible for the whole KD situation. And you and I have, have talked millions of times on this podcast 
Um, and we can talk about the, the series and everything else, but I just want to talk about Kevin Durant for a minute. Um, because, he, hey, what he does on social media and how he reacts sometimes to things leaves the, the door open for people to criticize and say things. I will not disagree with that. But I have said to you as well in times the past that I think he's the best case study of what professional athletes are in today's age than anyone else because he does show the sensitivity to react. He shows the sensitivity to have a burner account and react when people talk about him. And as much as we want to sit here and say, and, and Boogie Cousins was great about this last night. He threw out the F word a couple of times. Shout out to Boogie for being Boogie. Um, and, like, these athletes are human beings, people. You talk shit about me enough, sooner or later, I don't care how many millions of dollars I got in the bank, I'm probably going to shoot back at you with a burner account. I've never done it. I promise you, I haven't had the time. Most of you suckers around here that try to do that ain't worth my time. But if you had a hundred, if you had a hundred about you constantly, uh, maybe you would react how Kevin Durant reacts. But I think the one thing that we saw last night in the last 24 hours, whether he should have played or shouldn't have played, is most of us have no idea what makes Kevin Durant tick. Most of us have no idea um, why he's the way he is and why he's sensitive to who he is and what he is. But I feel like after blowing out his Achilles last night. We should all probably take a step back when we think of guys. And, and you know I've had this role way before we had this podcast, and I've brought it up on this podcast a million times. I don't ever question a guy or ever say a guy quit yeah. or say a guy's a quitter or a guy doesn't play hard because we have no idea what's going on with their bodies. We have no idea the punishment that they've taken on and what they feel like day in and day out to prepare and get ready for a game. And if last night doesn't teach the dumbasses that think they are, they're doctors over Twitter that we have no idea what's really going on with a player's body, and they think it's okay to call someone a quitter or say that someone doesn't play hard. Well, you're a jackass and you always will be. I really felt bad for Kevin Durant last night because you could see in his teammates' eyes and teammates' faces um, that they, we all knew. Like it, and, like, and that's what sucks. But, you know, and I hate saying this. You all knew when he went down, it was like, all right, that's his Achilles, and it's bad. Um, and this changes the NBA for the next. You know, oh, they yeah. won that game. And if you watch the post game, it didn't seem like they won the game, Zach. Like, no. I mean, the GM cries, which is, that's a whole other conversation. But Steph Curry is. is damn near crying. Yeah. Uh, Dr- Dray- Draymond is damn near crying. Um, last night was a situation that you don't see very often. I just hope that the guys that pound their chest and think they're the smartest and funniest on Twitter, uh, you too, Zach, um, take a step back <laughs> and realize we don't know. We're not as all-knowing as we think we are. Fuck off, Tubby. Um, anyway, you know, you, you said it well, and there's a lot to unpack here, but you left one thing out. The despair on his opponent's faces, too, right? These guys know, and this isn't a Millionaire's yes. Club thing. This is what it, they do. Even, it, yes. Right. You know, right. The, even Drake. Yeah. Even Drake. Yeah. Look, um, look, what drives the NBA? Drama, right? We'd all agree with that, and, and you could Drama. go deeper and, and dissect no it and point it out, but, but we all agree with that. But what's made this going back five days now, Dre, um, so good is this is real life drama because the longtime Kings, the, you know, Goliath was down 3-1. And where was Kevin Durant? And, and where did this Kawhi Leonard come from? And Boardman gets paid and all and, and just the nation of Canada, <laughs> just all, all of these things. And it was like, well, you never any, anybody that's ever watched the NBA knows you don't count out the Warriors, right? And and, he, and you go to the last three minutes last night, and they were left for dead, and and they didn't step on the throats and kill them. Anyway, here's what I'm trying to say: I think we could all agree that on some level, only Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's agent, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and the Warriors doctors know exactly what was going on prior to last night, right? 
But I think sure. we can all agree, whether you read uh-huh. The Athletic or not, that there was some peer pressure involved with one, him wanting to get back. And Kevin Durant probably wanted to get back. But what I'm saying is there was internal right. drama to, to, to an extent because they're, the, the dynasty is teetering. They're, they're down 3-1, to one and they're going on the road to play, right? And then you've got KD's future. You've yeah. got Clay's future. You've got the past five years of the Warriors. You've got all of this stuff. You've got Kawhi's future hanging in the balance. And what makes it all so great is, you know, the injury happens, and, and it's terrible. I, I, I didn't mean to use great at the place that I used it there. But it still comes down to win or go home, right? And, yes, there are a right. million storylines here on what is the diagnosis did someone on the Warrior, the Warriors err greatly in saying that he couldn't possibly make it worse? Was it just a freak injury? But, man, it's about these teams having to pick up the pieces emotionally, physically, find a way to go on, and now you've got the greatest drama. And for the rare NBA case, it's on our TVs for two and a half hours. It's on the court for 48 minutes. It's not outside anywhere right. else. Now, you're, you're right. right we could do it's three hours on the ramifications of KG's injury. Because, man, if the Warriors really screwed something up, that's its different story. Uh, he was headed for free agency in three short weeks. That, that's a different story. You know, might this keep him there? Will he ever right. be the same player? Uh, I mean, it was a landmark right. night, I think, in a lot of ways, a mentally exhausting night in a lot of ways. And I think, man, if you're Toronto, you just, you just have to be sick because it was there for you. You grabbed that lead back. You took their best shot. Yeah. I mean, did they miss a three in the first half? The Warriors, I know they missed one, but not many more than no. that, right? Yeah. Um, and no. my goodness, hey, you know what? Really the, good the, basketball. The, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I I've, I've concluded this here ramble. And the thing is, like you, you said something. No, but you said to me that's the beauty of the game. The last three minutes, it wasn't pretty. You can just tell there were two teams playing desperately for their lives. Like, no matter what play you called, no matter who you wanted out there, no matter, you know, what play you've had in your back pocket, it didn't matter. So the basketball game itself became a tad ugly. Um, it wasn't as beautiful as maybe. Like, to me, we finally had the NBA Finals. Um, it was like a heavyweight fight where both fighters, you know, it's the 10th round of a 12-round fight, and they're exhausted. And they're giving everything that they have so it doesn't look as good. And you may get a counterpunch. And, hell, even Kawhi Leonard, you know, factor of this and KD, what happened to KD being you know, happening all at once. Um, it's a combination of like the last two years of the NBA in the in the we know how hurt someone is, we don't know how hurt someone is. We have the right to tell him, call him a pussy. We have the right to self-push somebody because he didn't play when he was 100%. Kawhi Leonard did not play for a year and the people in San Antonio wanted to crucify the guy. He hasn't looked completely healthy all playoffs as well. Last night, and this is me beating him up, that may have been his worst game in the NBA in the, in the last three weeks, in my opinion. Now, you may have, you, somebody out there may say, no, nah, he played bad in, you know, in, in round one, round two. Maybe. But I just thought he missed more shots than we were used to seeing him miss. Andre Iguodala, I thought, played unbelievable defense. Doubled him perfectly and at the right time in the last play of the game. I love how many, like, so last night was one of the nights so I stayed away from Twitter. I read Twitter, but I stayed away from Sam much because you just see how many people really don't pay attention to the game. People are like, oh, now, North, the coach, does deserve some. The double, I get why he called two timeouts at once to get rest. But when your team's on a roll and you got your, the claw going ham, you don't slow it down until the claw tells you you need to be slowed down. Yeah. He really may have lost that game with those two timeouts, like with that timeout. 
But for all the people that are like, how would 15 seconds don't you get Kawhi Leonard the ball? Well, the problem that he ran into was they called those two timeouts, and he got the ball basically at half court. Because he had the ball at half court, and because everyone knows he goes to his right and wants to go to the elbow, Andre Iguodala, who was one of the best athletes in the NBA probably a decade ago, now one of the most intelligent players in the NBA, mm-hmm. where did he meet him at Dublin? He met him before he could get to the right elbow. Guy got the ball out of Kawhi's hand. Game over, basically. Yeah, it was and like a defensive clinic. Like, you could not draw right. that up at a basketball coaching clinic any better on how to get the ball no. out of the other team's best player's hands in that hand. situation. Right. Absolutely. I- exactly. And that last shot, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure, and look, Draymond's a pain in the ass. He drives everybody crazy. Nobody likes him. He's the Bill, he's the Bill Lambier of, the, of this century. For you young kids, go look him up. He's white. He was an asshole, but he was great. <laughs> if he was on your team, you loved him. But it, Draymond is the, is the black version. I know we're not allowed to compare blacks and whites, but I do it because we don't care. <laughs> and it's A to Z. God, you've Draymond never made, made me great... feel older than you just did right now and making me stop and realize that there probably are listeners to this podcast who never saw Bill Lambier play. Oh, man. <laughs> Think about the stuff they would say about him on Twitter. Him and Rick Mahorn, they would have, like, Twitter would have lost their mind. Social media would have lost their mind on those two. Yeah. But Draymond did a great job of not getting, getting clipped and being behind the big man, and he closed out on that last shot. Look, making jokes on Kyle Lowry is great, but I, it's hard for me to make fun of a point guard that's got a body built like mine. Um, <laughs> he is what he is, and I texted you guys in the first quarter, Lowry going Lowry. I know he missed the shot, but I'm pretty sure Draymond got a hand on that, and his closeout was fantastic, and the closeout only happened because he moved great without the ball, without being, without the ball in front of him. And for as much as I hate giving Draymond credit, he made a great play way off the ball for a play only most coaches would recognize what he was able to do when he was two plays away from the play happening. And they don't lose on the last second shot because Draymond moved and had his body where it was supposed to be at the right time, at the right place, equal dollar. They made championship plays in the last minute is what I'm getting at. No. And I don't know if they can win, if they can win two more games, Zach, but they put on a clinic of how you win and how you show up when, it, when your back's on against the wall. Well, let, let's talk about that timeout. Um, momentum is real, and the Raptors had it. Right, but you got to believe. Yeah. I didn't see. I didn't stay up for the post game presser because I'm too old. You got to believe Nick Nurse was thinking, okay, I have to get my guys a breeze. Kawhi specifically, but I have to. I mean, the Raptors are down to about four and a half right. guys. Right? It's amazing how no much doubt. they've been able to get away with playing Mark Gasol in this series. Right? Um, they just don't have any guys. When when Norm Powell and his white T shirt have to play in the NBA Finals, they they don't have any guys. <laughs> the problem with that is. That, that, you know, Steph needed a break, too. He had a miserable second half. Um, but, you know, you can say that was certainly a moment in the game because the clock stopped. But there were still, what, nine possessions left in that game. And if one of them goes differently, the Raptors win. So I cannot sit here and say he's that's the worst coaching move ever and it costs the Raptors the NBA Finals because that will not be the case regardless of what happens on Thursday or Monday, Monday correct? Like, it's it's a tough situation, and he's trying to look out for his guys by taking that time out there, right? right? That that's it, it. It didn't work, but in every sport, every level, every game, that's the risk that you run. What what is the time? It's not just right. what I call it. What's the timing of the situation? How do we handle it right here? And so many times in basketball, one empty possession leads to another. One stretch just comes at the wrong yeah. time. I mean. You know, like I said, these guys are all gassed. I mean, you said Kyle Lowry's built like you, and he sure is. I mean, the alternative is to play Fred, Fred Van Vliet, who's built like me. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> you know, uh, like I said, I, I'm amazed by as, as much as Gasol has been able to play in the series. I mean, the Warriors are playing Boogie 
who gave them some huge contributions last night, but really looks like basketball isn't for him anymore. Yeah, Boogie needs to get his body back. He needs to take care of his body. And you know what? When you've dealt with two leg injuries like he has the last year and a half, I totally get it. But he did save their ass. He saved them. They don't win without Boogie last night, what he did when Durant went down. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, but now, that, I mean, Looney tried to come back and play through a broken freaking collarbone. He's also he, headed to free right. agency. Hats off to him. Um tough guys i mean they have to play jordan bell who has no business now being out there because the alternative to jordan bell is jonas jarebko who now might actually have to play with no kd and with no limit (laughs) (laughs) like this is wild man and and i gotta tell you over the next 48 or 96 minutes um you know we saw the warriors show that they absolutely have to be six feet and a half in the grave before they're going to the grave but i will not be surprised by anything that happens because both teams are gassed the adjustments have been made i mean it's just rolled out there try to hang on and and see what really happens uh because this is this is kevon looney this is totally looney um and it's really good tv and like i said bad for the nba in, in in losing kevin durant and, and bad for the Warriors and all that, but but great for the NBA in that people are glued and that this is awesome. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think – I knew the Raptors would not get swept, but I did not think this would be a great series. Did you? Uh, no, but no, I was with you. I thought Toronto was – like, I think you're killing Gasol. Gasol is not the player he was four years ago, three years ago. Um, but it goes back to he's a skilled individual. You know what I mean? Like, even the boogie thing. Like, boogie's not the boogie that we all knew two years ago. And I think I think all of us, I'm not just saying you, I think it's easy that – I look, I thought Toronto was going to give us some problems because I knew – I felt like Kawhi was the best player on the court. Um, I didn't know if he'd have enough help to win more than two games. Uh, I knew that, that Golden State was beat up. So I thought it would be. I, I thought without KD, it was going to be a chance. But this is—it's gone a completely different way. Yeah, I'm not killing this. Dre. I'm not we, killing Gasol, a player, as much as I'm saying part of the beauty of Golden State for years has been making you play their game and and lumbering seven footers you no can doubt. usually play in three and four minute stretches and try to pound them. But otherwise, the way they drag people out to the perimeter, the way they get up and down, it's just not yeah. that, that that kind of game, right? And you're right. You're right. Yeah. I guess I said it because most people. You're right. I guess I said it because most people listening to us, they hear us say something, and everything is so all or nothing in today's world yes. of how people speak. Yes. That you, I know you know that Gasol is a skilled player. Um, I never. That's why I never understood Boogie going to Golden State because I was like, because what you just said, I was like, that doesn't fit Boogie. Yeah, he kind of blowing out his Achilles. Yeah. He's, he's coming off and blowing out his Achilles. He's probably 25 pounds overweight. You're gonna put him in that offense. Yeah. Then he blows out his his hamstring. It's like it doesn't fit. But he is a skilled basketball player. Mark Gasol is a skilled basketball player. And what's happening, because the Golden State Warriors can't play at that frantic pace, is Gasol is able to make his mark on the game, right? Yes. He's able to, to, you know, they run himself high post off of him offensively, and it's awesome because he's a great passer. Now, I don't like him shooting threes, uh, but they can run their offense off of him. He's kept balls alive through offensive rebounds. Um, I will say this, and this is weird to say, Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches we've seen all time. And we never give him credit because he's got an all-time starting five, starting four. Um, Nurse is a good coach, very good coach. But to me, 
the two wins Golden State have had have been because the head coach on the other side. And we never give him credit because his players are unbelievable. Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches we've seen. I, I, just, I love what Steve Kerr – look at the names you just stated to me, and look what he's gotten out of them when they've needed it most. No, you're right. Hey, lingering lesson from last night, whether you like the NBA, love the NBA, or indifferent to the NBA. Um, I always say, you know, young, young people, when you, be careful. When you're always online, you're always online. Last night was not the time to have a hot take on Twitter. It was not the time to jump nah. in. There was so much happening with the emotion of the initial reaction to D- Durant's injury, yeah. to what really happened, to who do we blame. I mean, you've covered it right here, Jerry. What do we do? There has to be someone to blame. There has to be an yep. instant judgment one way or the other. That's the society that we live in. And the fact is yeah. everybody involved with Golden State and Kevin Durant and maybe the New York Knicks too wants to fucking throw up over what happened to Kevin Durant. Nobody wished one bit of ill will. And even when you can want to get mad about the reaction and generalize, the one guy on the baseline that was waving good that had too many uh, drinks and was yeah. waving goodbye to Kevin Bad Durant. Bull. He all looks right. like an idiot because he's all over Instagram today. We don't know him. Is he really right. an awful person? Did the whole country of Canada conspire to – are they suddenly awful people no. because of that? No. You know? And so, again, no. well, like, me, this me, is what our something. benefit here, where we talk in a 40-minute format and decided to wait 12 hours. Like, there's right. lots of people, our colleagues, that had to go on and, and pretend to be mad about something for four hours with, this morning without much information. You know, it's, it's right. great that it's passion. And, guys, I'm not going to waste my time lecturing on, on you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, because if you really are that much of an asshole, we can't change you. You're, you already kind of alluded no. to that, Dre. It, yeah, it's competition. That, it's lost. awesome. We're all absorbed in it, consumed by it, by, by some form or fashion. And it's an unfortunate reaction. But I don't think that really anyone meant ill will, and everyone wishes Can the best for I, yeah. Kevin Durant. And more specifically, there are still 30 freaking teams that would give Kevin Durant the full max contract tomorrow, Absolutely. whether he has an Achilles or not. And that's what is going to be interesting. Gonna be, yeah. Can I say something that's not going to be popular, but I feel like I, I truly yeah. believe it in my heart of hearts. And if you don't agree, tell me. What happened when he got hurt by those fans was disgusting. And I'm willing to bet, and this is slight, this is no judgment, this is no tea at anybody else that what happened there would have happened in probably every other NBA arena and every NFL stadium and every MLB stadium. Maybe not as harsh in some. I think that we are such a society, such a barbaric society nowadays, and we put everybody in these arenas and we pump them up and we get them full of the juice that makes them feel the greatest and the strongest and the toughest, and we put on our blinders as to who we are what we are, that we become other people that we would never be in our everyday life that I think the testosterone gets going, and I think that we just start feeling so good. We want our team to win so bad. You know, the Cavs are putting up signs of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're at the free throw line, and we put pictures of Ben Roethlisberger up, <laughs> and we get so hyped, and we want to win that game so damn bad that our morals, our, comp- our, our moral compass goes out the window. And as you said, it's not all the way who we are as people, but the barbarians in us comes out, and we just react. Well, and I'm putting all of us in it. Yeah. I would like to think I know I, I'm pretty. I'm 98 percent sure I wouldn't cheer if I saw a guy go out and be injured. But I can tell you, when I was in college, I was 18, 19 years old, um, and I went to a Steelers Cowboys game, and Deion Sanders landed on his neck, and I'll never forget the Steelers fans going eight shit crazy cheering because they thought he was going to be done. Or I remember Mike Worthy getting his neck broke in Philadelphia, 
and the fans going crazy. And I'm just sitting there going, are you serious? This isn't really how people react. So this isn't something that just started. But I just think that in our, the way we live and the way our society is now, I wasn't surprised the Canadians reacted that way. And thank you for saying it. Just because those – it may have been 30,000 people at that game last night or 25, whatever. It was only about 800 that made an ass of themselves, probably. Yeah. And that does not represent the entire country of Canada, people. There were just a couple jackasses, had a couple too many pops, got too involved, and lost it because that's what they do on their video games when they can hit reset and nobody has feelings or real people. Well, the, the, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, just two games ago, we saw a minority owner of the Warriors lose his mind in the heat of battle, right? Right. And he, right. he got properly punished for it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of is what it is. Um, guys, our sponsors to this podcast are Cleveland Scene, Honeymoon Grill, and American Fireworks. From time to time, we play American Fireworks glory days. Andrea, again, speaking of Twitter and not getting caught up, I usually – don't get involved in these survey questions or these throwbacks or these polls or whatever. But Why? Sunday morning, I, he makes them up every five minutes. Yeah, hey, right, right. You can you be in one every five Twitter minutes job? if you want. Yeah. Do you think so, I'm good at Twitter? I don't know. Do you think <laughs> I have the little stick on the radio station? We'll be right back with more. <laughs> but Sunday morning, I was frankly, <laughs> I was laying there not doing much of anything. I'd been up early. I decided to go back to bed, so I was just kind of scrolling Twitter, laying around, and one of them came up. What's a song you're proud to know word for word? So I figured we'd play a little American Fireworks Glory Days in this way. Um, I gave my answer. Tupac hit him up, which was a little bit sarcastic, obviously, because if you know the if you know the lyrics Fuck to that, life. they're pretty extreme. Um, it was it was really an experience hearing that song as a 16 year old, uh, really naive <laughs> suburban white kid. Uh, but I still could rap it word for word. So let's play a little Glory Days. Take me back. Take me, teenage Andre Not What is a song that takes you not only to a moment, but that you right now, if you had to, could give every single word of that song right now in 2019? Fingertips on your hips because I know you. Oh, it's round and round, Tupac. <laughs> round and round, round we go. I get around. I'd be that. The end of the road, Boys Dimension is one of mine in my back pocket. Um, I used to even sing to my kids, my daughter, and this is a damn shame because I'm. This is a whole other moral compass thing. R. Kelly, I believe I can fly. Um, was like I used to, I used to sing it to my daughter and get her to go to bed. I'm not, I have terrible pipes and I can't sing, but it's a song I remember. So those are the things that come up to me immediately. Um, I know I got some biggie in there that I, I can remember from that time, but Round and Round by Tupac um, would be one of the first that I can, I know I know more from where my line um, easily. Um, I could say it like nobody knows what the fuck they talking about. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned into the road. Great, great story. I will never forget. I was a freshman in high school, right? And we were doing poetry in English class. And so you, you know, who, who knows what, what we read or, or how it was presented. But then eventually we wrote our own poems and we presented them to the class. And so for like three days, half the class was us presenting our own poems. And then the other half was the teacher had brought in, from his other classes poems and basically presented them to us for kind of a second grade because he, the teacher wanted to make sure that peer reviews were part of this because he didn't, you know, he was in his forties and he was, you know, grading poems written by 15 and 16 year olds. Right. So I I remember this for one specific reason, not because I had some friends that were really into boys to men and dressed like them and and all that stuff. But at one point we're sitting in this class and God knows it was just like a lot of the others. And he starts reading this poem 
and one kid turned in voice to men into the road as his poem <laughs> trying to get away with it and would have gotten away with it if it wouldn't have been for the peer review part right. of the poetry program and i just will never oh. forget the freaking laughter in that classroom as people were like some people being like oh i don't want to be the rat i don't want to be the rat and finally one girl being right. like yeah mr smith um that's definitely a song by boys to men that definitely um timmy didn't write that poem oh. himself <laughs> That little rat. That's <laughs> hilarious, though. That's hilarious. All right. All right. Since we're doing the throwback, go get them fireworks. Best fireworks in town. I'm going to tell an embarrassing story about me. Um, from around, I was like in ninth, eighth or ninth grade. And Ralph, Ralph Tresvant, he was a part of a new edition. And he had broke off and left when Bobby Brown had left. And a matter of fact, he got his album out. He got his solo album out before Bobby Brown. And that drove Bobby Brown crazy because Bobby Brown left. Well, he left New Edition because he was ready to to break out and have his prerogative. He wanted to be nasty and be himself. He wanted to show us. You know, it's what happens in every you know boy band, every group. You know they wanted to branch out. So Ralph 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 Tresvant was more clean cut, more you know he had better pipes, could sing, and he came out with a song um, called Sensitivity. You need a man with sensitivity a man like me alright here's the embarrassing part so I was like in 8th grade maybe 8th or ninth grade and there was this girl that I loved that I just I was all about I even called into 88.1 FM and you know how you can remember you can dedicate songs to people this is so fucking embarrassing I can't believe I'm telling this <laughs> <laughs> I called in and got that song and then I wrote a poem but I used all Ralph Tresvant. He had like a little rhyme in it and everything. And I wrote a note to this girl, and I wrote the song Sensitivity to her from Ralph Tresvant. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? I'm looking her up on Instagram right now. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I said, what was her name? I'm looking her up right now. <laughs> ah, I would never tell you. <laughs> she was like three grades. She was like two grades older than me, too. Um, she was... She was half black, half Hawaiian, just before you start talking that other mess. <laughs> <laughs> Rob knows who it is. Hopefully Rob is listening to this podcast, driving off the side of the road, because he's going to laugh his ass off, because he knows, he knows the girl, the situation, everything. But I wrote her a letter with sensitivity, and it worked. She gave me a kiss three days later. Then she, walked, then, then she left me for some big football player. Um, named Brad Jackson. I went to Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati, and they yeah. played for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. That's the rest of that story. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats to wow. Brad Jackson. Congrats, Andre. <laughs> yeah, beat that. My boy beat that. He's a, he does, you know what? He actually works with my boy Chris Miller in Baltimore now, um, doing uh, Baltimore Ravens post game and doing stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Akron Zone. Brad you know, I, I know zone. him uh, because he's from Akron, and, and I don't know him personally, but I, I know the story. But one of the things I think is really cool that the NFL does, if you ever play in a Super Bowl, the NFL d- does a special Super Bowl game ball and sends it to your high school to be placed in the yeah, trophy case yeah. or whatever. And and that's how yep. I know because I remember reading a story about Firestone getting that from Brad. I mean, that's such an awesome thing that they do. Um, yeah. And that's that's how I know that name. And yeah, I, I yeah he was he's been doing that for a long time. He's kind of made his his living in Baltimore D.C. area yeah. after his career, right? Yeah, he's my dude. I, and that's the crazy. And I always tell, tell these stories about life and just how people find something to grab onto and, and to make them believe in themselves. Man, I Brad like my parents got divorced when like 
I grew up around Andre Smith, who was Bingo Smith's son, and Brad Jack, Brad Jackson, and like those guys are all three, four years older than me. So when Brad was at Firestone, his whole thing was always like, Dre, you're a great athlete, you know, do what you got to do. But if you get on that field and save me in Firestone, I'm gonna bust that ass. So my freshman year, Brad was a senior, and he returned a punt against St. V, and he looked over after he scored because he was fast as hell. He was a wide receiver in high school. Went to Cincinnati, became an undersized linebacker. Went to the Ravens, happened to be there the year they won the Super Bowl. He was a linebacker with Ray Lewis and all those guys. But he was like a special teams guy, nickel and dime linebacker. But he made a career out of it. And, like, for me, he was the fastest guy in the neighborhood growing up. But he kind of taught me. He, he made me dream, man. He was one of those guys that was like, if Brad can make it, I can make it somehow, some way. Um, so, shout out to Brad Jackson. I haven't talked to him in probably six to ten years. But uh, you need a man with sensitivity, Ralph Tresvant. Now he's going to try to beat me up for knowing this story. <laughs> Did he end up with the girl or no? <laughs> Uh, B Jack was the man back in the day. I'm sure he did. Oh <laughs> man, uh, I can't believe I told that story. I've been shocked that I told that story. Wow. Uh, I wrote some bad love poems in my time, but I actually wrote them. I don't think I, I cop, uh, copycatted them, so plagiarized them. That the word went blind. I, I think I'm, I think my brain is still partially cut off from the water incident right before we went on the air. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All right, guys. Programming note: um, I am taking off on a trip that given the circumstances I might be able to extend in a long personal into a little bit longer of a personal trip. So we might not have a podcast for 10 ish days or so. I don't know that I might, I might be back next Tuesday, uh, as planned the Browns cut off, cut off, uh, their spring stuff a week earlier than they have, so it's allowed me a little bit of flexibility, and we'll just kind of see what happens. I mean, anybody that that hosts oh, me wait, doesn't wait, want me sticking around in one place for too long, so maybe I'll just come back again, but um, we'll see. I won't be here on Father's Day, which means my dad doesn't have to work on my car that day or cook me dinner, so that's uh, good. <laughs> when are you leaving, Pop? Uh, Thursday. What's today? Tuesday? I'm leaving on Thursday. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and along those lines, uh, let's just say this. I know mine, mine listens, yours listened once or twice, and I, I think he's still scarred from it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> our dads are really, really significant figures uh, in our lives. And me and my brother, who's Absolutely. currently crippled with uh, torn Achilles, um, we would not, it's not a stretch to say we would not be breathing members of society to the extent that we even are. Uh, without both of our parents, but without specifically my dad, who's never been a man of many words, but has always kind of been a man of action, a man of the F word, but he makes his point, um, has bailed our asses out many, many times. You guys have heard stories about him on this podcast. And so because he's probably listening, because frankly, him and my mom both need something to do, but I know they listen. Uh, and because we probably won't, we certainly won't have another one before Father's Day, and it might be a week or so after that. I just want to say to Big Reg, thank you for everything. I appreciate you keeping me afloat, and uh, I'll be over before I leave to get that 20 bucks that you offered me. Thank you. <laughs> he ain't lying either. You get that $20. Shout out to Big Reg. Shout out to Andre, number one. Um, there's not a day that goes by uh, in my life, and any success I've had or anything that's been offered to me or anything that's happened to me, um, where I don't think about the sacrifices that my father has made for me, uh, that continues to make for me how my father has gone about uh, life and not only helping me or helping my sisters, but just any kid, anybody that's around him, and he will to the day that he passes. Um, and no matter how many times I can win awards, no matter how much money I can make in my career, 
uh, no matter how many places I can go, um, I know that what I'm truly living up to is the legacy that my dad has placed in front of me and being a good person and being a man um, that stands for the right thing, even when it's difficult to do that. And uh, I hope that all of you guys have a father or a father figure that you can look at uh, that makes you want to be a better person and what makes you want to be a stronger person. And I think uh, just to go off of what Zach has said, uh, if you, in, you know, that's our lives in a nutshell. Yeah. We've become our own, our own persons. Yes. We're, we're old, fat, drunk. Um, but we know that we live up to a legacy and live up to something that's bigger than us. Uh, and I think that comes from, that rivets from my father and I know it rivets from yours. Um, and we appreciate it. Yes. My dad probably is scarred from hearing me say the F word 15 different ways on this podcast. Um, but he also still pushes me to be the best that I can possibly be at all that I'm doing and, uh, and not allowing people from the outside uh, make us who we are, but keep pushing ourselves. And uh, I appreciate that. You know, the best thing in life that I have now, and I can't wait to one day be able to do this with my son, is that uh, I can sit around, drink beers, hang out with my dad, and watch games, uh, and it's like hanging out with my best friend uh, because he is. Because uh, he's your twin to start with. My life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Wait till AJ, hey, man. I, I, you know the one rule I got about my kids and playing sports. Um, AJ, I just got to tell this story that plays in the Father's Day. Um, we got a big rule that Zach will always hold me true to and all my other friends will hold me true to. I'm one of the proudest guys in the world of who my, who my kids are and what my kids do, whether it's on the field, off the field, or anywhere else. I'm super proud of them, but I never want to be the guy that's constantly – putting up pictures and putting up videos of what they're doing against other little kids. But I got to tell you last Saturday, I got to see the true scope of AJ not. <laughs> He's uh, done very well playing soccer. He's played with kids a little bit older than him. Uh, Cause he wanted to play on a team with his sister before his sister basically got away with from playing with them on a team. But he finally, and he scored a lot of goals. He's knocked a lot of people on their asses, girls and guys. And I've had to tell him, you don't slide tackle at four years old. You don't slide tackle six year olds. Um, even though I know that's what you do and you're strong enough and you're, and it's fun to slide tackle people. And every week, even when I'm on the road, I got to tell my in-laws and I got to tell my dad, please tell AJ that he can't slide tackle the little girls. He's going to become the most hated kid in, in Medina. He's also the <laughs> darkest on the field. <laughs> but he, so last week, my wife couldn't make the game. I mean, and we all know my wife's a big soccer player in my household. I'm fine with my kids playing it because it gets them in shape and it gets, puts them on a team. Uh, and my daughter won't even play anymore because she's sick of getting slide tackled by kids like her brother. So my, I take my daughter, I take AJ to his game. My father-in-law shows up, and AJ finally met his match. Back. He met a kid named Cameron. Shout out to Cameron and his dad. Cameron was just as fast as AJ and just as much of an asshole, knocking and tripping over every little kid to get the <laughs> score, get the ball and score. And, and I got to tell you, AJ and Cameron are the type of kids when you watch five-year-olds, six-year-olds play soccer. They kind of ruin the game, but they kind of make the game great because they are the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they're the fastest on the field. They can outrun everybody. They can, like, AJ it can, go, can run down the defensive side and stop every goal, and then he can take the ball and go all the way back the other way. But anyway, it's not about that. AJ finally met his match. And anybody is an athlete or anybody in any sort of – you know your life starts when you finally meet somebody that can do everything you can do, right? Like, when you haven't met anybody that can That's do right. it. And AJ, and AJ got knocked on his ass a couple times early in the game. And I can see in his face, he wanted to cry a little bit. He was kind of bewildered a little bit. And I got to tell you, I had the biggest smile ever because I'm going, <laughs> all right, little shit. Now we're going to find out how tough you really are. Now, my wife would have been crying and, and telling AJ it was okay. But it was great because it was only fathers there. My dad, my father-in-law, and, and me. Yeah, And we're awesome. going, 
Hey, AJ, you, you want to be a tough guy? You got your match. And I got to say, he came out for a couple of plays. He kind of had, I want to cry like a little, little. He wanted, to, I can't say what I wanted to say. But he stood there and I, and I, and I go, you want some water? He said, yes. I gave him a little water. He went back in. He played his ass off. And him, him and his camera dude almost came to blows. But it was a respectful, like to me, it was respectful competition. And I, for father, for me, that was the best Father's Day gift ever. Is that the little that I'm doing, and all that my wife is doing, and all that my parents are doing, um, and all that her parents are doing, um, our kids are turning out all right. I love watching my kid compete. Um, I love watching his sister laugh at him and help him compete. And he walked up with a sense of pride, and they gave each other a hug after the game. And I know he's only four, and this, and it made me feel better when I found out this kid is going to first grade because I looked at and my father-in-law looked at me, my father-in-law looked at me and he goes. I think we got him just where we need to have him right now. <laughs> I go, yeah. So we were having a cookout that, that same night, Saturday night, and all the kids are over. Uh, Pete's son is over. You know, Pete was in Michigan getting ass, getting ass drunk in NASCAR. My buddy Rob had his son over. And I sent you this picture. But since you brought up Father's Day, I just got to give these Father's Day moments as we wrap it up because these are the moments that make being a father the greatest. Um, and we blew up – like, we had a carnival in my backyard last Saturday. It was blow up this, blow up that, you know, like – pools like every it was it was a kid's they were euphoric they didn't want to eat they just wanted to break everything and spray water so rob's son and and josh's son who we call pete they're in this little pool in my backyard and and they got these squirt guns with water and lo and behold this is the same day aj just had this 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 soccer game that made me so proud scored like four goals and and beat up a kid got beat up by the kid whatever else (laughs) and my father-in-law stops by and he goes hey did you tell jenny about how how aj met his match and, and took it to him and, like, my father-in-law was still geeked up and happy about it eight, nine hours later. Like, he came in, and I was like, hey, take a beer, Joe. He's like, hey, did you tell my daughter about, about, about our boy today? And I was like, yeah. I go, kind of. I go, but she might get mad when we tell, tell her everything. And he laughed. He goes, that's the best part. <laughs> so they're in the backyard. The boys are in the backyard, in my backyard. And they're spraying. Like, and I'm telling them, you can, you can splash in the pool. You can, you, we had, like, this new slip and slide. I'm like, you can do all that stuff, but you don't get grown-ups wet. So what do the kids do? One of Jen's girlfriends, one of her best friends of her whole life, that Zach has known all his life. That Zach hangs out with her mom doing, what's, what's the game you guys play out in the water? With, uh, trivia. With all those idiots out Bar there. Bar trivia. Trivia. They do trivia. Yeah. So like, this is the six degrees of separation of the A to Z podcast come together. <laughs> we got these little boys back in our pool, and they already know. This girl that we've both known our whole life, she comes with her new son, and he's too young to be in the pool with them. And he's, and he's watching, and she's trying to hold him. And lo and behold, what does our sons do? They load up the water gun, and they spray her and get her wet. And I just told them not to. And on one hand, I'm laughing my ass off as I'm taking a picture so I can send to Zach and say, even our boys at this age know exactly who to attack. <laughs> and I can't even say what I want to truly say. But when I said that you just said it all, my friend. We've been an asshole to her for 30 years, and our kids are going to continue. Just let me say this. For for as real and genuine as as all of that that we just said was, I think some of you, the longtime listeners, and you on the other end of this line would agree that there's a possibility that the funniest moment in the history of the A to Z podcast is me telling the story of my dad standing at the bottom of the stairs talking to the dog, saying, wag your tail at me, you fucking bitch. (laughs) I don't even like you, you fucking bitch. (laughs) <laughs> I'm about to cry. <laughs> I'm sitting here crying. <laughs> oh shit! It really is one of the best ever. Uh, uh, I got time for one more great. story here. 
Um, seven years ago this weekend, Kent State, one of the ultimate under uh, all-time Cinderella stories, made the College World Series, and I was working at Fox. We made it a priority for me to go and cover it. <clears throat> and so they played on Saturday before Father's Day. They got beat. Uh, they had practice on Sunday out at some high school in the suburbs of Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, I was there. Some other people were there. And at one point, I was just sitting in a dugout uh, with with Scott Strickland, who's now the coach at Georgia, was the coach at Kent at the time. And uh, he was like, you know, Zach, we didn't, we didn't win yesterday. We might not win tomorrow. <clears throat> we're not promised anything like this again. He goes, I just want to tell you that my dad's here and my son's here. And on Father's Day, <clears throat> I'm getting a team ready to play another game in the College World Series. How good is this? And at that moment, I thought... Well, even as a 183 lifetime hitter for the Manchester T-shirt Orioles, you know, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my dad. And that's certainly true. So, again, thanks to all you guys that listen. Thanks, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks for making this happen. I'm Zach Jackson. He's the father of the number four ranked six-year-old soccer player in Medina County. And we will talk to you next week on A to Z. Hey, for more on that, for more on that story. Turn into the Indians game this week, and I'm sure Tom Hamilton will tell you more about that College World Series. <laughs> Kenichiwa, Tom Hamilton. <laughs>